Isn't it difficult to find out what's most important? Like, where do we start? Because there's so many things that take up our time. Think about it. Time is supposed to serve us, not us serve it. And it's become that way in our society where we're clock watchers, we have schedules, we have uh, computer programs, task masters to help us with the tasks. We have all kinds of classes to help us prioritize. We spend millions of dollars each year in society to help us manage time. Where did it all go? How does time become so complicated? Because time is supposed to be simple. Think about it. Time never changes. There's always 24 hours in a day. You cannot have one more minute, nor can you take any of it and use it for the next day. It's 24 hours every single day. It's kind of like we as human beings make time complicated. Because we grab as much as we can to do as much as we can in the same amount of time in a day. And that never changes. This morning, as we continue in our series, Simple Acts, Extraordinary Results, we're going to learn from the life of Jesus and Mary, who she was able to at least balance out some things in her life, and and Jesus and how he could put in the forefront what was most important in his life. Now, I've looked up some things and some time-saving tips and, and how we can learn together and And I just want to read it to you because it's very interesting in how they put it. For some of you, it will work. For some of you, you'll think to yourselves, that's even harder to do. And if you're new this morning, you have your bulletin. And in there, there's some notes that you can take out and follow along as we, as we jump into our message. But here's some, here's some time-saving ideas uh, that, that uh, might help. Uh, for some, it may make it more confusing. So I don't know. I'll, I'll just say it and you see uh, how this could help. But some time-saving ideas on cleaning. They say use a day planner. You plan to clean. Uh, make it a priority. How's this one? Cheat at cleaning. I don't know how you do that. I guess you just, I don't know, sweep it under the rug. Um, use Use shortcuts when cleaning. Uh, only clean what's dirty. Or you can hire someone. How's this one? Do more in half the time. Isn't that what we try to do? Uh, multitask. So I guess you're doing everything all at once. Use a chore chart. I guess you write down everything and then whoever can do it, you, you uh, put their name next to it. Um, get motivated. Okay, I just want to ask, how many of you, okay, uh, actually you can raise your hands if you feel comfortable. How many of you are motivated to clean, like you love to clean? Not that you like things clean, you love to clean. Raise your hands. You love to, you love to clean. You guys come to my house. Hi, right, if we go invite all these guys over for dinner, you can clean the whole house, the yard and everything. Okay, now don't raise your hands, okay, on this one. How many of you who love to clean live with someone who gives you a reason to clean? Don't raise your hand. Just kind of think to yourself. You're like, I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. This person right here. It's kind of weird if you live with someone who has that uh, opposite side of you. Uh, Make chores more fun. I don't know how you do that. I guess you whistle while you work. Um... Break chores into chunks. So I guess you kind of break it down and smaller. Reward yourself. 
I, however, I don't know, go get some dessert or whatever. But then you're going to have to clean up after you make a dessert. So I don't know how that works. Or pay yourself money <laughs> if you're not doing that already. Uh, maintain the clean. So you don't wait till everything gets messy. You maintain the clean. Then some of us will have, you know, we'll, we'll drink a cup of water. Then we'll put it in the, the sink because there's no dishes. And we think, I only got one. And then you eat something. I only got a plate and fork. But you do that. The whole day, you have a pile of dishes. And then you look at it and you say, I'm too tired to clean. Three days go by, now you got to soak it. So you got to soak it for a day. Babe, did you do the dishes? I soak in them. And so it goes on for four days and, and there goes maintaining the clean. Delegate maintenance. So you say, okay, you do this, you do this, you do this, and I'll do this. So you delegate it. So I don't know if that'll help. Here's some tips for the home life. Keep things clutter-free. So I guess you can try if, if you're a non-clutter-free person that works well. Keep things in their place. Heidi tells me, when you're done with something, put it back where you found it. And sometimes we lie. That's why I found them. My shirt was on the ground. I found them over there. Was it on hanger too? Teach kids to clean up after themselves. And some kids would say, tell my mama. Tell my dad, clean up after themselves. Don't do that. You get lickings. Uh, prep the night before. So instead of getting everything ready the day of, prep the night before. Don't watch too much TV. Look straight ahead because I know you're nudging somebody right now. Do all your errands at once. Clean in one big rush. So I guess you're doing everything all one time. You just take Clorox and do the whole house. Here's some, here's some other time-saving tips, and again, hopefully this helps. Do less, delegate, limit your work day, or at work, come home on time. Uh, get the important stuff done early. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. Ask your boss to reprioritize your life for you. I don't know how that will work. Try ask your boss. Hey, boss, can you like reprioritize my life for me? Help me out here? Just a quick tip. Ten minutes. See what, see what comes up with Maybe you'll reprioritize your work schedule. And yeah, or get fired. Okay, so maybe not ask your boss. Focus on one project and get it done. Many of us has, have 10 projects still kind of floating there, and then we take up another project. Uh, now, this, this, this is the survey or the, the thing, okay? So I'm not saying this. It says avoid meetings. That's what it's saying. Avoid meetings. I'm like, what if the meeting is about something important like saving time? So what do you do then? Or what if the meeting is important like a family meeting? It says avoid meetings. Or like if you work at a church and the senior pastor calls you in. you got to make those meetings. Right? The staff is like, no. I have nice meetings. Avoid long conversations at work. Avoid long conversations at work. I guess that takes up a lot of time. Talk story, talk story, talk story. And then at the end of the day, I only have 10 minutes to finish up my thing. And then the last one, and I think this will help, learn to say no. Now, we'll look at our schedule, and, and maybe those things help. And maybe that's something that is tangible, and we can apply that. But for some reason, we still feel like there's no more time left in our day. Because things just keep coming up. Some of us are unable to say no. We're just yes people. We say yes to everybody, because we don't want to be a mean person. 
So somebody asks us, hey, can you help me with this? Yeah, I can. What about this? Yeah, I can. Then you go home. Oh, I got to do this. Well, I thought we were going to do this. Yeah, but we, I can do this first and do that after. And then and it becomes crunch time. And then uh, once again, we complicate what's supposed to be simple in a 24-hour period. Now, you might say to yourself, but I can do what I want, right? I can just choose what I want, right? I have the freedom to do whatever I want. Yes, you do. But look at how the Bible puts it. And I think this will give us a a backdrop for wisdom for the future. It will give us a foundation for how we can make time simple once again. And it's found in your notes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Now, you say, I am allowed to do anything. And I think we say that from time to time. But not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Now, making time for all that we need to do can become so complicated. And what we want to learn this morning is how we can simplify time. And we can do that by understanding how Jesus did things. And learn from Mary who applied some things. Because things come up. Situations change. Meetings come up. Uh, spur of the moment, something happens. And then, how do we respond to that? Well, Jesus knew very well that we were made eternally, but confined by what we call time. But Jesus was able to, as God in human form, be eternal, yet not allow time to trap him in. He was able to live life in how God created him and how God made it to be and how it's supposed to be as human beings. That's how it, Jesus knew what it took to live a life in what we call time even though he's eternal. And how do we do that? How do we become like that and what are some things that we can do? And the first thing and this is what we can learn from Jesus that we we Make time for what's most important. Now you're going to have to figure that out. What is most important? How do you make time for what's most important? How do you even know what's most important? How do you figure that out? How do you, how do you prioritize family time, work time? Uh, what about things that need to be done? What about time with my spouse, relationships, children? What about overtime because of finances and now we need to make more money? What about getting a second job? What about going back to school? You you see how many things can come into our lives and, and we have to now determine what is most important. People knew what was most important to Jesus because He spent a lot of time doing the things that was most important to Him. And for Jesus, He... He still dealt with life like how we deal with life. He still goes through, he still went through the same kinds of obstacles that we went through. He still dealt with emotion. He dealt with physical pain. He dealt with schedules. He dealt with people wanting his time. He also dealt with having to meet people's needs. But he also dealt with loved ones passing away. In fact, his older cousin, John the Baptist, actually was beheaded and Jesus had to deal with that. Now, how did Jesus deal with even something like that when spur of the moment something comes up, your whole schedule changes? 
Well, let's take a look at what he did in Matthew. And, and the Apostle Matthew writes this down because I believe it was important for us to learn. And Matthew caught something that Jesus did. Then he writes down, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Now, Jesus took time out to be alone. Maybe he took some time to grieve. Maybe he took some time to get along with the Father. Maybe he took some time to gather his thoughts. But he took some time to be alone because he called for it. But not only that, he continued. But the crowds heard where he was, where he was headed, and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, Jesus took time to gather his thoughts and, and kind of maybe grieve a little bit. But he also understood his calling in who God called him to be and how he was supposed to be the one that paid the price for all of our sin. He came to heal those who were sick and brokenhearted. And so when Jesus took time out for himself, he also continued on and did what he was called to do. That he was always about God and people. But he also took time out for himself to make sure he was ready to go and be with God and people. He was able to balance that out. He was able to make time for what was most important. And I think we can learn from that how we can make time for what's most important. And for Jesus, it was always God and people. And if you narrow down your life to what's most important, that will be it. Jesus said that. That's the most important commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there's going to have those three components to it. Our relationship with God, our relationship with people, and making sure we're doing okay. Make sure we're taking care of ourselves. See, God is eternal. He's not confined to time. Therefore, God can help us. And number two, you can write this in. Don't let time shape you. Don't let it shape you. Because if, if we allow time to shape us, then we become worldly. We become opposite of who God is making us to be. Because we're letting time shape us. We're stuck in this thing called time and we let it shape us. Let God shape you. Don't let the confinement of time shape your life. Don't let stress shape you, anger or worry or resentment or unforgiveness. Or the frustrations that come our way or even economics, that should not shape our life. Because that, God bless you, that does not know, whatever it is, does not know how to shape our life. God knows how to shape our life. He sees the finished product. If we allow time to shape us, then we become the opposite of what God is trying to do in our life. And then, now we're slaves to time. But time is supposed to serve me. This other person, Mary, she was able to grasp some things from the life of Jesus. She was able to learn from Him. And in the book of Luke, Luke was a physician, and he writes these words... Because there's something that we can gain. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And Luke is talking about Jesus. That he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. 
But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus was addressing Martha that Martha had many things to do. So did Mary. But Mary had chosen that good part. She chose out of the many the good part. And that part will never be taken away from her. You know what that good part was? Her relationship with Jesus Christ. What Jesus was saying is, yeah, Mary has just as much to do as you do. But she chose the good part. This is eternal. What you're doing is temporary. Yes, you're going to have to get things ready for dinner. I understand that. There's going to be things that you're going to have to do. I understand that. But don't miss this moment. This will never be taken away from you. This relationship with me, no one can take away. People can take away other things, but they can never take away this. This is eternal. And what Jesus is saying is, this is what shapes Mary's life. This is what's going to shape you. Otherwise, Martha, if you do this, you're so busy doing that, that's going to shape you. It's going to shape your attitude. It's going to shape your character. It's going to shape your family. It's going to shape your life, your career. And it may very well even shape your own soul, not for good. And so what Jesus is saying is, find out what's most important in your life which he gives to Mary. He says, it's about just this relationship. And when you find that out, you hang on to that and make it the most important. Don't let it be taken away from you by other things. Because once you sit at my feet, whatever it is that I give to you, that will never be taken away because it's eternal. In fact, what Jesus was saying is that this cannot be cut off of your life. The words that I speak will abide forever. It's not going to be cut out of your life. Yeah, but what if I forget about it? It's still in there. It's like a seed that is there. You can't see it, but it'll grow. And he says, just sit at my feet. I will help you. I will be the one to guide you. You got to let me shape you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, when I choose to pack my life with time-consuming activities, the Lord will not be able to cut off that which should not be there. Because I'm not sitting at His feet. How do I know what's most important if I'm not going to the one who knows what's most important in my life? Don't let time shape us. Rather, let the God who is not confined by time shape us. Otherwise, we'll let time shape us. Did you know that in our, in our lifetime, we spend two years returning phone calls to people who don't answer them? Two years. Six months waiting for a green light. Six months. And then eight months reading junk mail. Eight months reading junk mail. On the average time someone spends watching TV is four hours a day. 28 hours a week. Month. A week. 24 hours. 28 hours a week. Just seeing if you're tracking. That's all I'm doing is testing you. 
in an entire life of maybe an average age of 65 years, we spend nine years glued to the tube. Nine years. Nine years. Now, of course, it's you know spread out, but nine years watching TV. And you know what makes it worse? We can record things. So we didn't even have to be home. But then when we go home, we watch all ten. Because we fast forward the commercials. And then we just watch TV. And, and we, it takes up so much time. Like they make TV so good now, right? It's so dramatic. And, and if there's drama or whatever you watch, and it, it's like they suck you in and you got to wait till next week to see the next episode because they play the next episode right after the first episode. And so they kind of like hook you in. But it consumes our time. We also spend on the minimum 11 hours a month on Facebook. Some of you guys are like, 11 a month? That's like a week or a day for some. All day. And then for you gamers, on average, 13 hours a week. That's just average. That's minimal. 13 hours a week. You're wondering where time is going? It's going to other things that really have not that much value to life, if you think about it. See, we actually complicate time. The New York Times did a study and they asked if you're happy or unhappy. And what they found out with those who were happy, the top three things that were in that category of making them happy, the number one thing was that these people socialized more. Like they hung around people more. They also were people who read newspapers. I don't know how that plays, but they read newspapers. But do you know one of the top, the, the third one in the top three was attending church. That's what made people happy. And think about it. That, that's what we were made to do. We were made to connect with God. That's what makes life come alive. It's when we spend time with God. Now time can shape us or we can let God shape us. And as much as advertisers know what is best for us and as much as they know about us because they study us well. That's why when you go to a page and you're, you're maybe uh, shopping for something and you like it or if you're on uh, different advertisement pages, they keep record of where you go so that they send certain advertisements your way. And as much as they study your life, they can only learn so much. But God knows us in an intricate way. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows when we go to sleep and when we wake up in the morning. No one knows us better than God Himself. Let God shape our lives. Isaiah 64 verse 8, it says, And yet, O Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay and You are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. In other words, it's God who shapes us. He fashions us. He's the one that knows what works best for us. And when we stray off track, we feel him kind of pull us back to himself. Sometimes we'll feel pain. We'll feel a a certain squeeze or we'll feel like an, ah, that hurt kind of deal. And sometimes it's God just molding us and shaping us. Sometimes we're in our relationship, we get into these huge fights, and then we think, oh, our marriage is horrible. No, no, no. God is shaping us. Because if we stop there and we don't persevere, then it's horrible. But if we say, Lord, what are you teaching me? Maybe He's shaping our marriage. Maybe He's doing something in our life. 
And instead of saying, Lord, what are you doing in her or him? You know, change him, change her. Say, Lord, what are you doing in me? What are you shaping me into? Because he's doing something. That's why we feel that from time to time. Because he's shaping us. He knows how we we're supposed to be shaped. He's that good. He knows us in an intricate way. Yeah, but what do you do then if like, you're just caught off guard and, and certain things happen? And, and uh, what if you just like doing stuff? What if you're just a, um, a, a busy person that you love being busy? Then I would ask, why do you love being busy? Are you avoiding something? Are you trying to impress people? Uh, do you feel like if you don't, if you're not busy, then people are going to say that something's wrong with your life or that you're lazy or, or what? Find out what the root is. Why do you have to have a jam-packed calendar? Just find out. Ask the Lord, Lord, why do I like to be busy? He'll answer you. But this is what will help. And, and, and this is something we can learn to do. And number three, develop a healthy pace. And this takes some working, this takes some practice, it takes some wisdom, it takes the Word of God to help us live a healthy pace. Because He knows what's a healthy pace for us. You can't copy somebody else's lifestyle because that pace might not be your pace. It'll be different. But Jesus knows the exact pace for your life. When we go to Him, He'll help us along. Develop that healthy pace. Because seasons will change. Things will come up. And sometimes we can't see what's coming up. So when we develop a healthy pace, at least we're, we're working at getting, getting better at things that consume our time. And we simplify time rather than let it become complicated. Don't wait for a busy season like this. Then start to rearrange things. By then it might be too late. You still have hope, of course. But instead of waiting for the busyness to come, foresee what's coming up. Like this season, instead of waiting for Christmas time to, you know, try to get everything in order, do that way before Christmas, before Thanksgiving. Start to get things in order. Because then, by the time Christmas comes, all those unforeseen things, at least you're prepared for them. See, developing a healthy pace helps for the future. That's what it's all about. Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says that the prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Yeah, to foresee means to look out, to give attention. And you can see the things coming up and you kind of prepare for that. Because listen, the faster you move, the more likely we are to miss the most important things. The faster we move, the more likely we are to miss the most important things. Some time ago, Heidi and I got into this big argument, and uh, we were going back and forth, fighting, yelling, and screaming, going back and forth. And, and you know, we start to... I know it was my fault, Heidi. I'm sure it was. Oh, we're going to fight off the church now. I, I, I forgive me. Yeah, I mean, you forgive me. Okay, sorry. So, we're, we're grumbling, and we're going back and forth. And I thought... Um, I don't want to stay here and keep grumbling. So I'm just going to drive. And I'm, not, I'm not leaving the relationship. I'm leaving this argument. And so I said, you know what? Fine then, if you want to act like that. And she goes, fine, if you want to act like that. I said, you know what? I'm going to leave then. I just, she goes, go, where are you going? I said, I'm going to surf. And so I stormed out of the house, slammed the door, boom. Went into the garage, got in my car, slammed the door, boom. Oh, where's the keys? 
oh, it's on the keychain. Oh, man. And Heidi was washing dishes and it was right next to her. And I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? And so I get out of the car and, and I open the door slowly and, and she's right next to the keys. And I grab the keys. I'm keys. You got to do it. You got to do it like that. You can't go, oh, I, I forgot my keys. That's weak. So I think, my keys, my keys. And so I go, but she side-eyed me. She looked at me. She's washing dishes. She sees me. She goes, hmm. <laughs> that one little look was like, hmm, I won this argument. <laughs> and I, well, I left. I was like, I lost. I lost. You know that feeling like you lost the argument? It's a weak feeling. And I thought, when, when you're on the move, you miss those important things, like the keys on the counter that I should have grabbed. Someone told me after first service, they said, I did that one time. So you know what I do? I keep the keys in the car. I said, that's not learning. You're supposed to apply it in your life. Not figure out how to keep doing that. But when you're on the move so fast, you're going so fast, you're not even thinking straight. You don't, you don't, you don't think about the most important things. And we miss the things that are really essential to life. We forget about those that are, are closest to us because we're so busy. Have you ever forgot your child at school? No, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't nod. And, and, and kids, if it's a hurtful feeling, I'm sorry. It's a, you, they'll work through it and you know, it'll get better. Parents will remember more and more. It's harder because now we have like phones. Oh, text me and you know, then I'll pick you up. And if they don't text, well, you never text me. Like, well, you forgot your child? Yeah, because they never text me. So I, you just work through it. You'll get better and better. Jesus said it in this way. And, and I like how Jesus puts it because it's a practical thing, but at the same time, we can apply it spiritually. And it's found in the book of John 11, verse 9. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night... There's danger of stumbling because they have no light. You know, Jesus was saying, is, you know, in a day, there's only so much time. There's only so much time that you can do things. You start packing that in, you're going to stumble. Because it will enter now into the time that is dark. But we also know that Jesus is a light into our lives. And when we allow Him to shine in our lives, and when we allow Him to move in our lives, then we're able to walk a healthy pace because He shines the light into our lives. And now we can live this healthy pace. Time should serve us, not we serve it. Instead of us spending so much time watching the clock, watching the clock, watching the clock, the clock should watch us in what God is doing in our lives. Most of us have access to a clock right on our wrist or right on our phones. And we're constantly looking at our times, especially toward the ending of service like this. We're like, okay, we need pow, we need pow. But we do, we watch the clock. Walk with Jesus. Watch Him closely. Stay close to Him. And when we do, we'll be like Mary. We'll be able to sit at His feet, listening to His words. And when He gives us wisdom to simplify time, it will never be taken away from us. Amen? Amen. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. In your bulletin, we have these cards that you can invite your family and friends or just stick it somewhere where you remember the service times. Uh, because this year it's a little bit different because we're having our Christmas weekend services. And it's the same message, one message, three services. 
And then also, because it's a Christmas weekend, we want to make sure that our families, you know, are with one another and that you get to spend time with your family. Uh, that's why for that morning, we're going to have a nice dessert spread out there. It's, we're going to have a dessert center uh, for our the first service, which is Saturday, December 24th at 5.30. And then Sunday morning, second service at 8 o'clock, third service at 10 o'clock. And we'll have nice desserts out there. So we won't be serving breakfast and the well. Uh, that way, those that would normally serve can be with their families. And then we can munch on some snacks. But I've seen this church make desserts. It's like meals. So I think we'll be okay for that morning. But more than that, we want to make sure that you spend time with your family. Go eat breakfast with your family. Now spend time with each other. But at the same time, we still want to have our church service. So as the body of Christ, we can come together and learn from the Lord. So take this and invite people. You just never know who is out there that never was invited to church. And sometimes even as Christians, we say we don't want to be pushy, but at the same time, you want to be loving and, and, and encouraging. And so even an invitation is simple enough to invite someone to church. And who knows? Maybe it'll change their eternity like God has changed ours. And go do that. Also, I want to say thank you for those that have been giving to the angel tree and been bringing in your gifts. Uh, you just never know how that's going to touch a life. Imagine a child who would not necessarily have open up something on Christmas morning. That a gift was given to them by the Lord himself through you. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for those who uh, serve at the angel tree. Uh, I, I love it when I see the body of Christ working together. And go do that. There's a, a famous theologian. Her name is Irma Bombeck. And I love reading this story. And you may have heard it before. I love this story because it reminds us of what is most important. And, and when we get to the, the ending of our life, if we were to look back at our life to see what was of most value, what would we say? Would we have said, I, I, did, my, I did everything possible to make sure I did what was most important? Or would I come to the end of my life and say, boy, I, I missed it all? Well, she was in an interview and someone asked her this question. If you could live your life all over again, what would you do different? And her response, well, I would have gone to bed when I was sick. Instead of pretending the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for the day. I would have burnt the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained or the sofa faded. I would have eaten more popcorn in the good living room and worried much less about the dirt when someone wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would never have insisted the car windows be rolled up on a summer day because my hair had just been teased and sprayed. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about the grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. I would never have bought something just because it was practical wouldn't show soil, or was guaranteed to last a lifetime. When my kids kissed me impetuously, 
I would have never said, now, later, go get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love you's, more I'm sorry's. But mostly given another shot at life, I would have seized every minute of it. Really looked at it. See it. Live it. And never get a moment back. Make time simple. Make it simple. We serve an eternal God who is able to help us in what is temporary to give us vision for that which is eternal. you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for setting the mark and giving us the example of what it means to live a life to its fullest and to be people who who make the most of every opportunity but that we would, Lord, make time for what's most important and, and you can help us with that. You'll speak that to us and then that we would also be people who we don't let time shape us but that we let you shape us. And as we develop our relationship with you, you, you'll help us with a healthy pace in our life. But for some this morning, they're probably at a place where they, they don't know how to do that because they don't have the power to do so. But you do. Maybe it's because they don't have a relationship with you and they've never said yes to you. Well, if you're here this morning and you've never developed a relationship with Jesus, you've never said yes to Jesus... I want to say a prayer and and it will help you with your walk with Jesus Christ. It's the prayer of salvation. It's giving your life to Jesus Christ. And it seals your eternity with Him in heaven. And here's the prayer. He hears your heart. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. And make me brand new. I want to be the person that you're shaping me to be. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to give me eternal life. Thank you for giving me life. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for those who just said yes to Jesus for the very first time. And if that's you, could you just lift a hand real boldly? You're saying, I said yes to Jesus this morning. Good. Anybody else? You said yes. Good. Hold your hands up. God sees your hands. He sees your heart. Good. Good. Back there. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you back there. Anybody else? You said yes to Jesus. Good. God sees your hands, your hearts. Good. You can put your hands down. Lord, I... I know you, you know the plans that you have for us and they're for good and not for evil to give us a future and a hope. And for those that just said yes to you, Lord, they have a hope and a future in you. Pave the way for them, Lord, that as they walk with you, they will now realize that the life you've given for them is to be used for you. May they glorify you in their bodies, that they will glorify you with their lives, that they will live pleasing lives to you. And I pray for all of us, Lord, even as Christians. Boy, we let other things shape us sometimes more than you. And so we ask for the strength and the wisdom to simplify time. In your name we pray. And we all said, Amen.